Hello, this is Ellie Levy and welcome to The Bend, the podcast about our choices and what compels us to make them. My guest this episode is Harley, a curator and researcher who is a good friend of mine. Harley is the kind of person who could make any topic interesting, but we settled on talking about the ups and downs of friendship. Harley is a New Yorker and she came to Berlin with her best friend, but things started changing between them after the big move. We talk about adolescent anger, what we need from our friendships, and becoming more settled and homey than you ever thought you'd be. There's one thing I want to clarify. In our chat, I mentioned wanting my friends to be quote-unquote good people, as if that's a clear-cut and static trait, when obviously it's more complicated than that. Goodness is a fascinating topic to me, and maybe it can be the subject of another episode sometime. Who knows? Okay, let's start the episode. So we're sitting here in a cafe, and you agreed to do this with me, which is very nice. (laughs) So we're here to talk about um, you, (laughs) and uh, specifically, I guess, um, with a special focus on on friendships and how they've evolved and and changed in your life. Um, And uh, I thought of you in this context specifically because of maybe one thing that happened to you, but also I think it goes, you know, expands on it, like there's more to it than that. First of all, to kind of introduce you, you are a New Yorker, born and bred, <laughs> um, which I've always uh, loved about you, <laughs> just the fact that you, yeah, <laughs> very superficial, but... Uh, um, yeah. My main um, appeal. <laughs> no, but... Um, but you've been living in Berlin for, for a long time, so I'm, I'm wondering um, what made you want to move to Berlin? Okay, that's where we'll start? <laughs> that's where we'll start. Unless you want to start somewhere else. No, no, but, yeah. no, it's good. Um, okay. <sighs> da, 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 da. What made me want to move to Berlin? Um, okay, well, I moved when I was 21. A couple of months before I turned 22, and it was, uh, so like right after college? Yeah, it was like three, four months after I graduated from my undergrad. Um, and I had the privilege of having money because I, I worked as a lifeguard for the city and I, I was paid really well and I was able to save that money because I was living with my mom and not having to support her. So uh, I had like a couple thousand and um, I was my like best friend from undergrad I guess we'll name her Joe. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was actually her idea uh-huh. I mean um, she was very much the driving force uh-huh. and I think in my 20 well I think for as long as I can remember until very recently I really struggled with being flaky and um, a bit I think I mean this is still a part of uh I guess my life's process, but I think a lot of decisions, a lot of big decisions I've made in my life were done in a sort of catatonic state where mm. I, I kind of, I think I, I slept walked through them in a way um, where this was Joe's thing where she was like, I also, you know, she also saved money. She had been working all throughout college with me, uh, not with me, but you know, um, alongside me. Um, 
and she was very certain that she wanted to leave and have a vacation and have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think her eyes were set on Berlin because it was a queer place, or it was like, I think for like Western Europe, thought of as like, yeah, very queer, very gay, lots of art, uh, like affordable living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the benefits of, um, yeah, like a big, like yeah, Western city that would be familiar to us, mm-hmm. but with the perks of like, yeah, being affordable, being. Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. like hip and and, yeah. and just being a new experience. And had she ever been? She hadn't, okay. but she had in typical fashion. In her typical fashion, she'd done a lot of research mm-hmm. and she talked to people who did. Um, we had this one friend in school who he had done like a study abroad there, and he was like a big queer about town, <laughs> and he was he was very arty and like I think yeah, mm-hmm. I looked up to him as like a very sophisticated intellectual mm-hmm. among us. Mm-hmm. Um, he like raved about it mm-hmm. and it just felt like this funny um yeah it just felt like it became um it started to take on quite a fantasy like yeah. or um these great proportions of like being a um yeah a fantastical special gay place mm-hmm. so um yeah and i think it was of course yeah there were so many factors like a break from our families mm-hmm. and, our lives thus far and the relationships we were entangled in mm-hmm. together separately yeah so you felt pretty good about this decision this move well it was never conceived of as a move it was mm. always going to be like let's i don't know maybe like a, a, a year abroad oh, or wow. it was supposed to be that. maybe a couple months away okay at least no it was not so you didn't like pack up all your stuff and kind of. Well, it's funny because I yeah. did pack up oh, okay. a lot of my stuff. <laughs> okay. Quite a lot. Mm. I bought a really big bag. Mm. I remember uh, going to the new REI in like Soho, <laughs> and um, yeah, I bought a lot. I even brought like a, a rug, which is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I packed as though I were moving my life, though I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't a. Con- mm. It wasn't like a cognizant decision mm. at the time that I was moving. Moving. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we told friends a couple months or something. Or mm-hmm. I don't even know what we told friends mm-hmm. anymore. It was mm-hmm. ten years ago. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was definitely never a move, or never explicitly a move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was like your best friend. That means that you also you hung out a lot. You kind of could tell how you would potentially get along in this sort of new setting. Is that how you felt before you moved? Like, were you concerned a little bit about? Taking the step, yeah, with her before you moved? I was, yeah, I think I I really didn't think so much. Because again, it was like such a temporary, like a few months, whatever, it wasn't such a, yeah, in your mind, it wasn't such a huge thing. No, I think, yeah, yes, yeah, of course, at the time it wasn't conceived of as like, this is the, the, this is like the move of my life will... Like I will grow roots in, in this new place yeah. or put down roots, that's not, I mean, but I think just like going back to the mentality that I had then, I didn't think too much about what I was doing. <laughs> um, it was far easier for me to be a bit compulsive and to make big changes and then process it, mm. um, then do that in the reverse order mm-hmm. or to like, you know, I don't know, think about something to 
meditate over like is this the right you know what what could go wrong like to yeah i mean what i would do essentially now mm-hmm. what i would also have to do because i i've taken like with joy a lot more responsibilities in mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. um and then i i certainly didn't have any right i had much less weighing me down and yeah. i also just um i just wasn't also i wasn't behaving as responsibly as i do now mm. um I didn't think well, about you it were too in your much. Early 20s, I so. was in my yeah. early twenties, yeah. but I was also a big mess. Mm. <laughs> like, um, where I just, I think I, yeah, there was perhaps more effort put on um, not thinking, mm-hmm. or the effort was in like avoiding to think too much about decisions. Um, Joe and I had never actually lived together, mm-hmm. so, but we lived on the campus together, so we lived in like this small, sort of intimate setting together. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was like a big, quick crash course because we shared a bed as soon as we mm, came mm, to Berlin. Mm. Shared a bed in a bedroom, obviously. Um, yeah, that's quite four months. Four months. Two, four two, months two. Two. Yeah. Joe was a lot more enterprising, though, as always, and um, she found an internship at a art residency program in the north of Berlin in mm-hmm. Pankow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist anymore, and. She then found a way to be a resident there, not as an artist, but as a, you know, in her capacity as, you know, working there. Mm-hmm. But in the off season where there weren't residents, um, she was able to move in there and I followed her. <laughs> and and then this became like a very intimate little community that we became a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was always a big theme though, though that well, it was a huge defining thing uh, in our first months here was, uh, like privacy, uh, the distinction between what was hers and mine. Mm-hmm. I think Joe always um, uh, was much more aware of like her needs, like earlier than I was. I think that's that's been hard for me to recognize. Mm-hmm. It's something I've, that's been getting easier as I get older. But I think I, I, I in the ings, like I was in a lot of while experiencing a lot of unrecognized anxiety at the time it was important for me not to be alone i didn't want mm. i didn't seek solitude i always sought company mm. um whereas she was pretty clear about she had clear boundaries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think joe has just generally a higher emotional maturity than i do mm. she certainly did earlier than i did mm. um i mean that also might you know like she also comes from a big family that might have also contributed to like her knowing or being more cognizant of like needing personal space mm. um i don't know but also yeah she's definitely more emotionally mature um she also kind of plays this caretaker role in her family so I think mm. there's that too mm-hmm. that plays that's in the mix but um and you grew up with your mom like I, yeah, yeah i just grew up with my mom yeah who really struggles with boundaries or like mm. has none um and i think it's really hurt by the idea of boundaries as though there's some sort of um mm. punitive measure mm. like you know as though to have boundaries is to reject someone or to not want them around when when really it could be you know creating a scenario where you can choose that person with joy mm-hmm. instead of falling into space with them or you know right. um, spending time through constant circumstantial reasons um, mm. 
But with Joe, yeah, like she was more enterprising, as I said. She found this residency. She found then this community that I benefited from, and I followed her too. Um, and I think I am more extroverted than she is. Um, a bit more performative, I think. Um, relied more on charm than on hard work, <laughs> like mm. putting in effort. Mm. Um, so there was, there was, I think, this bit of contention between us where she would actually put in the work and I would benefit from it. Mm. Uh, and I think she didn't have a lot of space for herself and didn't have, like, didn't have a space that was really truly hers. Um, so that was always, that was a bit of, there was, yeah. So on these, these kind of feelings, these differences, were, did they come up from the start or was this kind of a process where it was more and more in the forefront of your friendship? process, I guess. No, we had that in school too, but it was easier in school because there was just, there were more people, there were more avenues of escape. Yeah. There were more things. You really relied on each other uh, here. Exactly. We really became each other's main, but also sole support person. yeah, there's a lot of pressure on, on a person, yeah. Yeah. On two people. <laughs> yeah, I think we like we became partners mm-hmm. even more than we were before. Um so we also yeah, I don't know. Mm, fought like partners. And I don't mean that as like when you love someone you you fight with them because you <laughs> because loving someone means showing them your worst side mm. but rather like i don't know when you've got a lot of like issues mm-hmm. and you don't yet have the tools the resources to like to unpack them and to understand them um or certainly that was my like in my case like i didn't have that i didn't have the language uh, yet, or like just the awareness mm-hmm. or the resources to mm-hmm. unpack that. So I, I think I usually, yeah, it came out. Um, yeah, I think I often, yeah, weaponized that against her, or um, she became like a projection sort, or like a site mm-hmm. to like where I would be dealing with that, those undealt with issues and traumas, mm, you know, instead mm. of like, you know, with a professional or with like different friends um, instead of just one person mm-hmm. or also like didn't know how to regulate my feelings and like I would do that instead when, by fighting with her mm. and stuff mm. like that. What made you become such close friends? What, what was their connection based on? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I felt really like held and seen mm. and um, we laughed a lot together. Mm. Um, What's she like or what was she like back, back in the day? <laughs> um, what was she like or what is she like? Um, I don't know, I think Joe has always been like a um, just someone who really inspires me, someone I've always admired and looked up to. Mm. She's, um, uh, I don't know where to start. Um, she comes from this like uh, Irish Catholic family, um, three brothers, mm-hmm. and um, 
and she's like, uh, I don't know. I think she was, she was my first friend to identify as fat. She was my mm-hmm. first friend to ident- who was really like unapologetic about being queer and was really um, into her own sluttiness at the time. Mm-hmm. That was just like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think through her, I learned about. Like we just we learned about feminism together, mm, so yeah. this was a big part of like yeah. our collective like like that we transitioned into this other like we came in you know mm-hmm. we both came to college without that and like mm. developed that kind of consciousness during college and yeah it's a powerful was, thing yeah. yeah. It was really exciting. Um, I think she was more aware of her queerness earlier than I was, and mm-hmm. I think that was always exciting. Like, I think, you know, even though, like all of us, um, yeah, like that she was, you know, even though we were both so insecure and like about our bodies and how we looked, she, she, I don't know, was always pretty like brash mm. and like cheeky and slutty and like that just, I don't know. I think even though I'm, I'm more extroverted, I think she's more introverted. I think she's a lot more brave mm. when it comes to like experimenting with sexuality and different kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that like would scare me, and I'd be a bit more um, just more conservative or more tied to convention than mm-hmm. her. Um, so you're kind of in awe a little bit. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. in awe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think we gave each other a lot of comfort around like our bodies. Like, mm-hmm. I think there was just this total like. Um, but it was platonic. Yeah, platonic. Like we didn't have sex, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think erotic in any in the way that like I think all close friendships mm-hmm. are. But mm-hmm. I think especially us, definitely. Um, yeah, I think we're also like into each other, mm-hmm. and I think that like colored our friendship and made it like gave it its character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. made it strong I don't think it needed I don't think that, that was the essence of its strength but I think that was um, an essential part of just like our mm-hmm. our friendship mm-hmm. um, um, yeah I think we we smoked weed a lot together we drank a lot together and we we were really each other's like um I think source of comfort. We be really familial with each other mm-hmm. very early. Mm-hmm. Um, she came from the suburbs, so she could drive, and she had a really nice car. And she <laughs> was a really confident, fast driver, and she cared for me. I think in a way that felt very intu- like it just was so intuitive. Like, when did you start feeling like this is getting more? maybe more negative than I'd like or, you know? Um, well, I think I think with Joe, like the um, patterns that I'd had with my first partner in college repeated with Joe. Mm. And I think that's, yeah, that's a part of like, um, yeah, I guess like a, a journey that, that I'm on, you know, mm. of like, what do I continually bring to relationships or what are what are my fears that I carry with me from one place of intimacy to the other? Mm. And I think that's like, you know, fear of, of fear of abandonment um, that gets often like turned into anger mm. and sort of this um, aggressive defensiveness. Um, so there was, we fought quite bitterly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we were living at this artist residency, we were doing a lot of really bitter fighting. Mm. Um, 
really shitty. I think also I was having a lot of panic attacks mm. and um, instead of realizing or recognizing them as such, we would be, I would, I would pick a fight with her. Mm. So... And where was she in this? Like, what role did she play? What role did she play? She would often ask for breaks. And I think she had to, like, fight me for that. Mm -hmm. um, God, I can't remember mm. what role she played. Mm. I, I can... It's kind of even hard to remember, really, like... Those memories aren't so sharp anymore. They're, sure. they're a bit fuzzy. I remember really well... Um, environments like for example she she was getting really into um, she she was a photography student at school and mm -hmm. she was getting into painting and she had really turned her bedroom into a studio and it was this really ethereal funny space where she had hung this like plastic and the plastic like swayed in the wind in this really like beautiful way like mm. algae in the sea and like <laughs> <laughs> um I felt like she was creating a space that was healing for her. Mm -hmm. I think she was carving out her own space. I think she was carving out, like she was being very disciplined in like a certain kind of um, practice that was solitary, that was art making. Mm -hmm. I think that was what she was turning to as like a, yeah, a place of solitude. Um, in like the storm that was our friendship, but also, yeah, in the storm that was like her navigating a new place and not knowing you know, having her own fears about it um, and having like a series of different relationships that were also difficult, like mm. romantic relationships, mm. sexual relationships. So, uh, but after that, we, we began an art gallery together. Mm -hmm. So we basically, um, we befriended um, a lot of these artists that were staying in the art residency also past their residency time. Mm -hmm. And they were at that point just renting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, they were all actually foreigners. Like they were all from other countries, all intra-European countries. Um, except one German. Um, <laughs> uh, and basically we were plotting our next move. And I started nannying for someone's friend, like for someone in the residency program who was helping to run it, mm -hmm. her friend and nanny. I started working for this woman. This woman was quite wealthy. Mm -hmm. She had a storefront in the building that she owned, Lowell, to rent. And so I asked her if I could rent out that storefront to create, to have a gallery space where we would live in the back. And then Jess and I conceived of this whole like, kind of, yeah, a wacky project where we kind of we recruited the people we were befriending at the art residency to come live with us and begin this like collective space together. And at that point, you weren't like mm, working together might not like <laughs> might be so smart. I mean, was was <laughs> did you still feel more like hopeful and, and positive about your collaborations, or was it like I don't remember how Joe felt at the time. It'd be interesting to ask mm -hmm. her now. Mm -hmm. Or I'd be, you know, like, why the hell did you agree to do this with me <laughs> when we were doing so badly already? Um, I think we were investing in the project. Um, I think somehow the project could take a more comfortable view, like vessel mm -hmm. than that of our friendship. Like, mm -hmm. maybe that was something that we could, um, like, an alternative site that was ours that seemed hopeful because it was new and mm -hmm. it involved more players mm -hmm, than just mm -hmm. the two of us right i don't know and also yeah the, the follies of being young and like mm -hmm. 
yeah, mm. having limited responsibilities. Uh, yeah, low standards. <laughs> <laughs> In this time, I guess it sounds like you were the the one kind of with the idea and you were kind of starting, you know, organizing it more maybe than, than her or? No, I no? think okay. Joe was always a, an amazing organizer and, and far more organized than I ever was. Um, and does did a lot, I mean, did so much of the, I mean, there was no budget without Joe. Mm. Um, timeline, organizational things. And I think I had like the, the moxie that came from a lack of self-reflection. <laughs> you're so hard on yourself, though, the way you're talking. Okay, but I'll leave you to it. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's, you know, okay. It's bugging me a little bit because I, I think you're so great, but also I understand that that's, that was a different time and, and you're being honest with yourself, I guess. But No, I guess you're right. I think that, that is a good thing. That is a good quality of mine. Mm. You're right. Thanks, Ellie. <laughs> No, it's a good quality of mine. I think it just also is born out of like a coping mechanism. That's that's a coping mechanism that um, a coping mechanism whereby I don't think too much about what I'm doing, mm. um, where like things are happening to me or around me that are really difficult. So I. I somehow, um, yeah, I can pro like I I defer mm -hmm. like the feelings or I, I shelf the feelings mm -hmm. and then uh, make rash decisions and then experience that all later in a calm moment, like years later, mm -hmm. <laughs> or or like yeah, mm. I, I don't know. It yeah, I think mm -hmm. it's 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 definitely helped me. It served me in the past, mm -hmm. and it did serve me then too, because I don't think I we could have done that. If, yeah, if we weren't the people, like, yeah, if, if that wasn't part of me then, I yeah. couldn't have done that then, and yeah. that's really, yeah. But it's also, like, it makes for weird, it makes for these memories where, yeah, it's hard to locate myself, it's hard to locate, like, how I was feeling, or it's, it's, um, hmm. um it just becomes these, there's these, like, um, yeah, like, gaps in my memory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how long did you have this? Uh, we had that space from 2013 to 2015, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it ended kind of in a. Yeah, it. <laughs> it didn't. It had like it had a rough ending. Mm. We we were this. Um, my relationship crumbled with the landlord, mm. who I, I stopped working for her. Started working in a kindergarten full time, mm -hmm. so I had job, more job security but I didn't have this line anymore to my landlord. And we started having a kind of antagonistic relationship mm. where I think she saw me as another renter who was making issues for her. And mm. we found mold in the apartment. And yeah, it started going steeply downhill from there yeah. where they thought they accused us of asking for too much. And I think like the bigger picture was they realized they could get more money for the space. Mm. And we were kind of a mess. Uh, maybe we were not making the space they had envisioned, like mm -hmm. maybe like a more sleek sort of art mm. gallery space. Mm. We were sort of this like sloppy, um, semi-public living room on the street. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Joe left actually. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, she, it makes sense that she was the first to leave. Like if it were like from, of the two of us, it yeah. makes sense that she was the first to like say like, this is enough, like to finally, 
reach her limit, mm -hmm. um, which I think, yeah, her limits were clearer to her. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then, and then after that, I left and the, the space closed. And then when that happened, when Jill left, uh, how, where was your friendship at at that point? At that point, um, it was still going. <laughs> it was, um, I think we were like finding like separate friend groups. Mm -hmm. We were kind of doing a, a similar dance that we had done in school where we were like, I think where she was trying to separate from me or like have more emotional independence from mm -hmm. me and not rely on me so much. And, and so like to make her own friends, make her own, make other significant relationships in her life. Um, throughout this whole time, she she was she had been seeing different people. Mm -hmm. and I hadn't, mm -hmm. um, but I guess I was yeah. I had I was making friends, and she was making friends too, and also seeing people. So yeah, I don't know. Um, then she moved into a big collective house, and so did I. Mm -hmm. And we were about like ten minutes away from each other, mm -hmm. and I guess that's when things started to like really crumble, <laughs> where um, I got really invested in my new house, mm -hmm. and um, I also when I would go to her house, it was like she kind of lived in a bit of a party house. Mm -hmm. I had a big crush on this like guy, which is really cringy to, to think of now, who like was her roommate, who was kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> Um, and yeah, sometimes I think I would go see her with this, yeah, with the ulterior motive of seeing him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, I was increasingly flaky. I would forget our, you know, our, when we'd agreed to see each other, I wasn't really attentive. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really responsive. Why do you think that, I mean, except for it being kind of a party house, I guess, what do you think that, what do you think, what do you think that was? Yeah. Mm, beep, beep, beep. I don't know. Um, Did you feel just very different uh, from her at that time, or like? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yes, like are the differences? I think what we needed was was becoming starkly different. Um, she was becoming. Uh, I, don't know, I felt like kind of like I resisted her need for organization and structure and like keeping um an appointment mm -hmm. <laughs> i felt like i found that as some sort of personal injury that like we need to be so strict about appointments and mm. like scheduling time with each other mm. um i think she needed order and i i wanted things i don't know i couldn't keep a date um i was just a little bit all over the place i don't know i think there was also this thing about maybe I was getting closer to people that I was less intimate mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. and like I began having a lot of friendships that were all kind of that required less of of less of vulnerability on my mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. And you like that? Like apparently because that's what I was <laughs> I was yeah. going for. Yeah. That's um I think it was it was a hard time for me and um uh, it was after I had been sexually assaulted by my dad and mm. I was really into like this new burgeoning queerness and seeing queerness as some kind of answer as well to 
sexual assault. Um, and even though I had been, I had queer friends like you know, like, like Joe, or just like we, all our friends were pretty, pretty well. A lot of them were queer in school. Mm-hmm. Joe was always Joe recognized her queerness early on. I didn't though, um, and. Yeah, I think I, I didn't understand that it was a viable... I think, yeah, there was a lot of maybe like internalized homophobia, but this was not like a viable option for me. Mm. Or that that love was not <laughs> as real as other love, mm. other forms of love, or... Yeah, or somehow it wasn't, yeah. Was was Joe there for you when, when that happened with your, with your dad? And... Yeah, yeah, no, she was very much so. She was... Um, she was, yeah. I think, I think I was not so receptive though to that care. Yeah. I think another like a big significant thing was just like I didn't want the care that she was offering me, and I don't know why that was. Maybe it was I didn't feel like worthy, mm. or this re- the relationship required a lot of me, because all significant relationships require. <laughs> you know, attention and uh, um, uh, presence of, of mind. And I think I didn't have that. I didn't yeah. want to give that. Yeah. Um, I think I was like of myself then more than usual. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I wanted to be a bit of a mess, I think. Mm. And I think what gave her a sense of calm was like was order and mm. like, organization I think mm. maybe things were too messy for her mm. in her life mm. and I guess for me I don't know I guess there's something healing about like that lack of order yeah I think mm. we needed different things um, we weren't giving each other the things we needed and I think I didn't have the the wherewithal to recognize that then and so instead like the way I expressed it would be like being flaky like the last time, like when things really blew up, like mm-hmm. when she sent me a text to break up with me pretty much, mm. was when we had made a date to hang out at my house. And I left my house, I totally forgot we had made this mm. date. Mm. And I was hanging out with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when she was just like, okay, I've had enough. Like, this is just too much. Like, mm. so. My text too, that's quite. Yeah, but I don't think that's because I think that was also probably because if we had met up in person, it would have been a fight, and maybe she was protecting herself. Yeah, and also, but isn't it kind of deserving of a fight in a way? I mean, this long friendship. Yeah, but I, but, I, mean, I mean, it's not for lack of her trying. Yeah, you know, I think she had been trying, and she had been trying also to see me in person. I was making that very difficult, so I think a text was like very appropriate, actually. Hmm. Um, and it, there were a lot of warnings. It yeah. wasn't like it came out yeah. of the blue, even though I think I experienced it as such because I was just so out of it. Like, I don't know. Did it make sense to you that she was at the time? Um, at the time, I really just tucked it away and didn't think too much about it. Yeah. I was really hurt. Yeah. Um, but I sort of just buried it. Yeah. And like kept going. The way you were, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it ached, like it became like a site, like it became like a, you know, like something that hemorrhages, but really slowly, Mm. like something where the ache really develops with time, like the intensity develops with time. Um, Mm. 
And I think like losing people was something kind of familiar to me. Mm. Like I would have my dad in and out of my life, like very intensely for a couple of years on, a couple of years off. And it would always be very abrupt. Since you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. since I was a kid. And mm. yeah, and I had like at least once, yeah, a couple of significant relationships on my mom's where those guys were like dad figures, father figures, mm -hmm. and they would very abruptly leave, mm -hmm. never to be seen again. Mm. So I think I had long, that was like a familiar thing for me. It's just yeah. the people I loved disappearing and I would deal with it by just not thinking or it just wouldn't, yeah. Mm. So like the first time, I mean, my dad, my parents divorced because my mother had a restraining order against him. Mm. So. And that was the first time that I didn't see him for a year. And that was from one day to the next. And that was, yeah, like when I was eight. So I think... Yeah. He didn't communicate with you? No. No, I mean, he could only communicate with me if there was a, um, like a public servant present. present. Mm -hmm. And he chose to not do that. So I had no communication with him for mm -hmm. at least a year after mm -hmm. that. So I think, yeah, that kind of like on off thing was like familiar and um, yeah, just like what I said, I think this community, this coping mechanism yeah. of just being like, yeah, just like, yeah, I'm deferring that emotional processing and unpacking until some unknown date in mm. the future mm. <laughs> was very familiar. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, it didn't affect, well, of course it affected me in the moment, but not in any way that I was cognizant. Mm. When, when did it hit you, would you say? Years later, yeah. Um, so you didn't have any contact really for, for years? Yeah, it was a couple of years. Yeah, gosh, I don't even remember now. Um, yeah, like a couple of years we didn't. Um, at least a couple of years. Mm. And then it was, yeah around 2019 mm -hmm. in the summer of 2019 I reached out to her yeah we'll get back to that soon but um <laughs> I just want like it's it's interesting like you know your as you call it your flakiness and, and not really keeping to, to dates and stuff do you mm -hmm. feel like did that start to be more over after what happened with your dad do you think or was it also before mm. Mm. First of all, I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. I'm really, I, I know this, that what happened, but I mm -hmm. just want to say on record that it's terrible and I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah. No, thanks, Ellie. Yeah. But. Thanks. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's also, yeah, it's unfortunate and it's also like very common and mm -hmm. yeah. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, Flakiness, yeah. Right, okay. Um, yeah, and I like what's common is like, yeah, domestic abuse, domestic violence, incest, yeah. like common things, but like things that we don't really have language for, I think. Or yeah. At least not as, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't grow up with like language for that. Um, what am I thinking about? Okay, flakiness. Well, I think like this funny narrative of my dad that I like as, as, as er, at earliest memory has it is that he's flaky and he's mm. like never on time um mm. and that he you know and it, i do think like like it's it's there is a truth to that like i guess with every like 
narrative built around the person. Mm-hmm. There's there's truth that fuels it. Yeah. Um, but of course, I guess it's always unfortunate when like you know you get fixed into a narrative, and I think everyone gets fixed into this in their lives. Mm. Or like there's a narrative about your youth where you know, Ellie was this kind of mm. kid, or mm. you know a good kid versus a difficult kid, or um, and I think I the narrative I was given was that I was difficult and I was a lot like my father where I I was really I don't know like messy all over the place late uh, flaky unreliable Um, but I think it's really funny because I um, think as I get older I realize how difficult it is for my mother to have organization Hmm. in the in the form of like you know uh, having us like adhering to a schedule, but also planning for the future, making long-term plans, um, forecasting, yeah, your finances, having a budget, like all these kinds of things Mm. that I had grown up thinking that my mother was really like, that I thought that she did really like um, without any, that she did like in a sovereign sort of way, actually are are things that are incredibly difficult for Mm. her Um, and that she compensates in other ways, um, by being quite busy and having a full schedule, mm-hmm. but that actually making plans is a very difficult thing for her, is mm-hmm. a thing that produces um, a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just funny, like what, how we conceive of yeah. these things yeah. um, or the narratives that you're told about yourself that you internalize. But I do think, yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think I grew up with that mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. lack of order. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I definitely took that into my life as an independent adult, like mm-hmm. post like 21 years mm-hmm. of age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I'm also asking because I'm wondering if in some case, in some ways after experiencing something like that, you know, some something traumatic like that, like, having someone maybe care about you so much like like Joe did or mm. knowing you so well is actually like in a way too much to handle like too yeah like you don't actually want someone like that in your life you know yeah I'm wondering if there's something like that there I think so mm. yeah I think so yeah I do think so mm. I think when you're not like taking care of yourself and someone is caring for you it might feel yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a big part of it. So, so after your you're falling out with, with with Joe, like, what kind of friendships did you nurture, or like, what was important to you to feel maybe more s- stable? If that was, I don't know, it seemed mm-hmm. like maybe that wasn't really the priority at that time, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think. Um, I don't know, I think at that point I was like with a lot of, um, I don't know, I had like a lot of, I, I, I started making friends with people who were like with lesbians. Mm-hmm. I was really drawn to lesbians <laughs> and like being around and like in proximity to queerness or what I thought was like the most authentic kind of queerness at the time. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know, I think being around people who were, who hadn't, maybe felt really sure of their queerness. I think like, yeah, more like erotic friendships, Mm -hmm. but like a lot and not necessarily like really, really close. Mm -hmm. Or maybe ones where I wasn't so 
aware of how much I meant to them. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I think I wasn't really... I don't know. Um, I don't think that I was really vulnerable then to friendships. I think I wanted to feel close, but I, I certainly didn't want to be known mm. or be exposed. And I think I surrounded myself with a lot of like, yeah, fun goings on. I was living in a big house. There was always something to do. There's always mm. someone to do something with, mm -hmm. chat to. Mm -hmm. Um, share time with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt like very caught up in just like the busy work and the busyness of all that being mm -hmm. occupied, I think, just by people mm -hmm. and by activity. I had a question about just like describing your, your formative friendships, I guess, if, if you had memories oh, of... wow, like before Joe? Yeah. Like, what kind of high school did you go to? Just like a normal public? I went to a public New York City high school. Um, it was a new school. And again, I've been newly made and mm -hmm. newly entered into the system. So it was, it was very unique in the way that in its way, because it had, um, it's like the only public school I know that was made in what used to be an office building. Mm. So the gym kind of looked like a ballet studio, like low ceilings, lots mm. of mirrors and like, mm. I don't know. Yeah, linoleum. Mm. Um, and yeah, the inside was very like modern. Like a lot of these New York City public high schools or, or just public schools are really old. Mm. Um, and they look at, um, yeah. but this was like quite new and like shiny and um, really academically rigorous. Um, and it was on the Upper East Side. So it was well funded mm. by being like a rich area and mm -hmm. very white. Uh, like that area is very white, Jewish, moneyed. Mm -hmm. So like that also was reflected in the student body. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah, I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have any. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, I did not enjoy, the social part of high school was not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was pretty painful. Mm. <laughs> okay, we don't have to go no, deep into it. No, it's fine. But, yeah. And then I found, yeah, Kamari and I found each other. I think we were both like pretty angry kids. Mm -hmm. This was a big part of it. And we were like feeling really like, I, I can't remember if like we were made, you know, like, do you make yourself a pariah or do you choose to be a pariah, <laughs> you know, because you have such low self-esteem mm. or because you're, you're, you're self-conscious and you're angry about that. Mm. And you're angry at the world and angry at your lack of control in the world. And so you become an aggressive person mm. and therefore repel all kinds of friendship. <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't know, in my high school, it was very like racially segregated, mm. segregated by class among like white students and students of color too. Um, it was like, I don't know, mm -hmm. a place where you would just openly spit out like bigoted statements. <laughs> like but <laughs> at the time was very like normal. Yeah. Definitely did not receive an education in that. Mm. Um, That's messed up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also reflects like politics I think of New York City like mm. it is a very segregated racially segregated place and mm. people have this idea that it's like this I don't know uh, yeah this like place where there's a lot of like harmony and um, where all kinds of weirdos can meet but in a lot of ways it's kind of like a, a very much a small provincial town mm -hmm. where yeah, people are divided by race and class. Yeah. yeah in yeah. like very structural and intentional ways. Yeah. 
and then yeah we're all struggling but of course with different benefit like different you know very different support systems beneath mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. uh yeah and kamari and i both didn't have dads and we're both like angry and like mm. uh, yeah felt unlikable and unliked and hated everyone else did you also like each other yeah we did we 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 were like sisters mm. but we were also like showed each other a lot of anger and like uh, we were pretty mean to each other mm. she was pretty mean to me mm. <laughs> actually mm. but i was mean to her too in my own i don't know we were like children who had experienced like unfortunate things and we were giving it back to each other um, yeah and now we're kind of like sisters we're you're still in touch yeah yeah that's great mm-hmm. yeah and you've both changed yeah 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 but i think we both like um i've done a lot of healing mm-hmm. like, trying to i've done a lot of work to try to heal ourselves and pick relationships that foster that mm-hmm yeah, I think before Kamari, oof, I don't know, in elementary school, in middle school, should I go back? Sure, please. <laughs> I mean, whatever pops to mind, like whatever things that actually had, you know, an impact. Like. An impact? I think if I had to put it in short or like encapsulated, mm-hmm. um, school was always pretty h- hard for me, like performing academically came easily mm-hmm. but I w- acted out a lot um, and I all, I wasn't getting good grades unless I really loved the teacher and mm-hmm. unless the teacher um, gave me sort of a, um, exception like tra- ta- um, treated me exceptionally mm. like I basically wanted a mommy or a daddy whenever I was in a classroom and if mm. I didn't get that then I chose to just like um, disregard mm. my responsibility as a student <laughs> I don't remember ever having, yeah, making friends was not easy. Um, And then when I did have a friend, it was very intense and um, like uh, (laughs) full of aggression and Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. conflict. Mm -hmm. I remember my earliest friend, her name was So New and yeah, we were just awful to each other. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it, like, yeah, if I, looking back, it felt very much like, yeah, like, like kind of typical erotics of like early mm. female friendship where mm. it's like desire, envy, aggression, mm. all, all like pretzeled together mm. in this really complicated way where neither of you have the resources to untangle them. Yeah. Or, you know, when you both are treating each other as badly as you feel about yourself. Mm. So, mm. but also like really rich and like intimate and lovely too. <laughs> so. But so you, it seemed like you were attracted or sought out uh, friends who were kind of maybe dealing with similar things that, that you were? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, I had two <laughs> major relationships with um, people who were at the time were cis men or cis boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like when I was in elementary school, I had this kind of milk toast boyfriend <laughs> that I bossed around and was really mean to. And then... <laughs> And we were quite close um, for eight-year-olds. Wow. We spent a lot of playdates together. Like, our parents knew each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that, like, fizzled out in a f- little tiny fire. Like, wow. I was just very mean to him. And then in college, I was with someone who who now identifies as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Or, 
or trans femme, actually. Uh, but at the time, yeah, they were they were identifying as a cis guy and... Oh, so when you're also still in touch, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. still in touch. Yeah, they're lovely. Um, uh, but yeah, they definitely didn't have the same experiences that I had, and I think I... I think the attraction there was like to someone who had a different experience in life and whose experiences maybe I um, idealized, you know, had like a two-parent, two-child household, uh, like comfortable suburban. Um, but that also like interestingly came apart while we were together. Hmm. Thinking of present a little bit more, uh, where, where does friendship or yeah, where does it fit in, in your life these days? How, how have things changed? Or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I try to be more intentional about friendships. Mm-hmm. Mm, to be more, um, to take better looks like to, I think I tried to care for my friendships better mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't before. And I think that's part of like caring for myself in a way that I haven't before. And what led to that? what led to that a lot of therapy <laughs> like years of therapy mm-hmm. and was that was that a big a big hurdle in the beginning to start therapy like i started there well no i it's another thing that i just jumped into mm-hmm. and i did that because i was in love with with meaning my mm-hmm. current partner mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I had decided early on that I was really in love and that I didn't want to make the same mistakes mm. that I had in every close relationship, like with Joe and with this college partner. Yeah. Uh, it was like a, it was very much like motivated by the other. Mm. And then it like very quickly became about you, me, <laughs> yeah, as therapy is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of therapy and being in a really loving partnership yeah that's what's changed it yeah yeah hmm and distance from my parents <laughs> like <laughs> geographical yeah. distance yeah. yeah yeah uh speaking of you know your romantic long-term romantic relationship um how do you how do you or do you uh find a balance between like that relationship and and friendships like where do you how do you figure that all together mm. with initially great difficulty <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know when when Mina and I started seeing each other um, I guess I did this sort of classic toxic thing where I, I completely isolated myself and left all the friendships that I had been in mm-hmm. <laughs> to be with him mm-hmm. exclusively and like to be in this tower that we had constructed <laughs> um, and also he was quite jealous of my friendships, mm. so I left those behind as well to like mm. make him comfortable. Yeah, so it was a lot of like um, sort of like crashing together and then repairing mm-hmm. over years. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think that that that's been also about like yeah, identifying each other's baggage and and, and the kinds of dynamics. Or the kinds of relationships that were foundational to us, identifying those and how they replay in our relationship, and um, seeing a couples counselor too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last years, that's been huge. Me going on anxiety medication that helped so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yeah, um, and just very slowly, yeah, rebuilding those friendships I had, um, gaining more confidence. I think also my work in the art world is kind of bound up with those friendships mm. where I work with people I am friends with and mm-hmm. I'm friends with those I work with, you know, and I'm, mm. I'm in a collective. So this also, you know, um, entangles friendship and, and work. And uh, so, you know, my confidence in myself and what I had to offer professionally uh, colored, yeah, what kind of friend I was or what I felt I was deserving of. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, having greater confidence in what I could offer mm-hmm. helped me invest in friendships mm-hmm. and relationships outside of Mine. Mm-hmm. Um, realize I was, yeah, worthy of out- things outside of Mine. Also, that I could demand more than to be close to one person, you know, like to make demands of him. To, like what, what do you seek? What do you uh, actually want in a friendship? Maybe the, the acceptance that you don't have to get everything or that um, that if one person fails to give you something, that it doesn't mean that they're less, that they're less close a friend or mm. that they, that somehow there's some sort of breach in your potential to be intimate, mm. um, that there are parts of me that friend doesn't have to intimately know in order to, in order for us to feel close or mm-hmm. for me to feel close to them mm-hmm. I think I had like a very all-or-nothing mentality um, and I think that's a part of like not knowing oneself or not having clear boundaries or not um, mm-hmm. or feeling like yeah I think that's also about like fear of like acceptance or fear of mm-hmm. like not being loved but you have to have this very extreme confirmation of the other's feelings or you doubt it mm. completely mm. so that's been very different uh, like slowly learning that um, I think um, friendships that, like yeah friendships can foster different parts of you that friendships are that they can take many different forms like you know if, now that I live in a different continent than the one I grew up in. I can, can have friendships that are very long distance where we don't talk very often, but I still feel really close to them. Yeah. Um, I think asking for what I want um, is very different. That's a different quality of my mm-hmm. friendships than I ever had. Like, mm-hmm. um, and that I maybe think like more intentional practices like check-ins. Mm-hmm. Mm, trying to take someone at their word. Mm. It's a very different mm. practice than one mm. that I ever had where mm, I don't interpret, like I'm not acting upon how I interpret the other to feel as much, I hope. Or like I'll try and verify that verbally. Mm. And are there certain <laughs> certain traits that you kind of look for in a, in a friend? In a friend? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, like if you look at you know when you look at your your friends, is there are there certain tendencies or are they kind of all across the board and you know people you feel close to not just yeah sure uh, yeah I think they're pretty different mm. I don't know um, I suppose yeah the people I'm close to there's um, many different personalities but maybe like um, maybe what unites them is um, um, a certain attitude towards care. Mm-hmm. I think you definitely have this. Um, where you, yeah, I think you definitely um, are comfortable as a carer and like struggle to be cared for. Mm. I think, yeah, 
I, <laughs> that's definitely, um, I am attracted to that. Um, and that's also part of yeah, a learning process. Mm. Um, I don't know, maybe, um, a, gosh, I don't know. Um, I haven't it's thought windy. of, it's windy. No, so that's fine too. Like, it's, oh, okay. yeah, it's been windy the whole time. Let's just, I haven't, yeah. um, maybe I, I haven't thought of like what unites my friends mm. or like what is a common denominator. Mm. Maybe there isn't one. I'm just, yeah. No, surely there, there are. And I guess maybe I think of more like dynamics. Mm -hmm. Like there are certain dynamics that like, of course, that come up yeah. with different people. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I think, um, I think now more than ever, I have like a greater diversity in the quality and dynamics of those friendships. Mm -hmm. They're a lot more, they don't follow the same mold, like maybe like they used to, or um, more res I don't know. I hope less toxic. <laughs> I don't know. Seems like it for sure. I yeah. hope so. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about and um, how do you think this relates to our friendship? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you mean like what you're, what you're seeking, or like, or I don't know, like you, you um, I don't. Do you find that with your friends, like there's something that unites mm. the kinds of like, or or do you can you identify something that you seek out in other people as friends? Um. Yeah, like a, um, I think a certain amount of self-awareness um, mm. is, is important to me. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. And goodness. Goodness, that's a tricky one though. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone good? I think so. <laughs> but uh, okay. I mean, not like in an okay. absolute way, you yeah. know, but I, uh, I think I do uh, try to stay away from people I I feel like are kind of dubious <laughs> <laughs> as much as I can, at least. Um, and uh, a certain amount of emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, but they're very different, like people are very different in my life. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess it's also about what your expectations are like kind of seeing mm. seeing who the friend in front of you is and mm. not knowing not to because otherwise you know either the friendship falls apart or you're just like constantly disappointed and what's the point of that <laughs> so um yeah yeah, yeah. i see mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean there's probably a lot more to say but yeah there's uh, always a lot yeah <laughs> i guess like i guess maybe I don't know, I guess that inspires me to think, like, I, th I think I try, I think now my effort is to be, to be more present to my friendships, to mm. check in. Um, I think a lot of time can go on before I, before I check in with someone. I think I can also, like, go on long, mm. I can sort of, I can get wrapped up in work and mm -hmm. wrapped up in, like, now solitude is something I really seek more mm. than ever. Mm. So I think... Yeah, just trying to be more intentional and to be someone who's responsive in a mm, friendship. Mm. But I think maybe a common denominator, yeah, would be like people who are seeking to like 
like help themselves heal mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. because that's like a very attractive yeah. thing yeah yeah i think that's more and more the people i have around me are people who are just trying to know themselves better yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah um Right, let's maybe go back to, to your story with Joe, actually, like, yeah. you, you know, you started saying that in 2019, you reached you reached out, out. like, what, what made you reach out and how, how has it developed since then? Okay. And how is it different as well? Yeah, well, um, I, I was just, I was going through a really hard time when I reached out to her, and, and I really missed her, and I missed having her to, like, as her, someone to talk to mm-hmm. and someone to be close to, and I think I missed... Um, having someone with whom I had history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and shared history and like was known by um, yeah at that point it was really just my partner who knew me and like like yeah who, I don't know and I think it was also then that I was trying to establish intimacy with other people like you know with like other intimate friendships and I, I think you know yeah, I really longed for that kind of like familiarity and mm-hmm. I longed to like, I think, yeah, I longed to experience myself in the way that I, I could with her um, because she knows me so well. Mm-hmm. And I guess that means a certain, you know, like that means acceptance and like a love that is unconditional. Mm. And I don't mean that as like, love that persists even in like even in the face of like abuse Mm -hmm. but rather like love that you know persists yeah despite yeah i don't know uh, the decisions you make or i don't know that there's no that you can't risk losing that love Mm. unless through abuse yeah yeah, you know just i don't know like Like it would take a lot Yeah. yeah and like yeah, acceptance and, and and love despite flaws and mm. love despite mm-hmm. yeah mistakes mm-hmm. um, and I think that's so like core to like self love like um, to have unconditional love for yourself mm. and like a love that is caring for yourself and like, therefore yeah. yeah a love that's caring for others right um, yeah and I think all of that was at the fore of my mind. And so I reached out to her and uh, I think at first, I don't know, I think she was, she was really receptive mm-hmm. and I think, uh, but also like a bit suspicious or mm. a bit skeptical or mm. um, <laughs> understandably. And I think it's just been a very slow rebuilding. I think that's been like a big um, lesson of adulthood too, or like, um, that things can be slow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not, I don't know, just to consider a different kind of pace as one that is as fully legitimate, but also like good, mm-hmm. positive. Mm-hmm. That's something, it doesn't have to be fast in order for it to be successful, I guess, in right, short. Right, right. Yeah. And what, what place does she have in your life now, do you say? Mm, she is, I don't know, she's like family, I guess. Mm. But she always was like family, but I think now, yeah, family in the way that like we, yeah, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know what what role does she have. We're, yeah, we're not as, we don't have an everyday role in each other's life that we play. I don't know what's going on for her in in like a, even sometimes in a monthly way. Like Mm. we we meet up, yeah, we meet up monthly. Mm -hmm. Or barring that, like every other month. 
we do a lot of catch up when we meet up, but also I think every time we meet, it's become easier to, mm. to like feel just to fall into mm-hmm. a familiar thing with each other. Um, I think like there's certain good dynamics that persist that like, and that's really, really cool. Mm. It's really nice to see. Mm. It makes me really hopeful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I think someone who's seen you through so much can also be a witness to your growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you likewise can do that for them. And that's very exciting. Like yeah. someone who can give you that kind of feedback that's so valuable. Yeah. Like mirror sure. back things to you um, in a way that they don't fear <laughs> like what the response will be. Mm. And, and someone who knows your family. I think that's so important. Like there's no one in Berlin that knows my, my parents. Mm. Um, Joe, I don't remember if she met my dad, I'm not sure. Mm. But she certainly met my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom is a bit of a tornado. Mm. So she's definitely, yeah, witnessed and known my mom and how I grew up and she's seen me through more than ten years of my life. Yeah. So that's like a third more than a third of my life and we come from a a very yeah, we come from like a very similar cultural context as well. Geographic context I don't know so yeah 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 and we both sort of developed similarly which I think I did I certainly didn't expect like we're both kind of like <laughs> like have these long-term like yeah like gay households mm. with like pets <laughs> and I, I don't know we've both opted for like quite like yeah like very domestic comfortable lives mm. I think yeah that makes sense for each uh, like that makes sense for us respectively for different reasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i don't know and i think yeah i think it's a closeness that's still growing it's like it's continually mm-hmm. growing and that's also really exciting that it's still changing positively yeah yeah that's yeah. good that's good to hear is there anything else you would like to say on the topic of of friendship in you? <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know, maybe for some people it's their work or their creativity. I think for me, a big like part of my life or what feels like an essential part of my life is relating. Mm-hmm. And like that's, uh, of course, I think at its core it's about relating to myself and like, <laughs> I guess like it's, um, yeah, like relating to others, relating to myself. I think that's just like a big core of my life. Like the work I do is very social. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I don't want that to change. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just like that's part of my journey mm-hmm. and like that's <laughs> a part that I really like and um, yeah, that feels like my work mm-hmm. for my like in my life mm-hmm. and and I think that's about like yeah making family making connections learning different ways to like love people and accept them and myself and mm-hmm. having a yeah a plethora of ways to like be close and apart mm-hmm. from others. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, it's, it's all, yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's been, it's been, an, yeah, I think I am, I'm increasingly, yeah, I'm finding a lot of joy in that struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope that it continues that way. Great. That's a nice way to end things. Thanks to Chris Yoe Tokunaga for the music and Julie Saragoza for the sound engineering. 
You can find The Bend on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can reach me at thebendpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe and rate The Bend on iTunes because it really helps with the podcast visibility. Thanks.